I'm going to use that word Christmas, the transition into our sermon. Because in some places, some parts of the world, maybe even in the society, it's become just a word, Christmas. Words have meaning, and words have implications, and words carry power, and they carry power in our lives, they have meaning in their lives, and words, as we understand them, words as we use them, words as we interpret them, cause a reaction on our part. We have the word Christmas, and as a Christian, we do something differently with Christmas than the non-believer does with Christmas. Us, for Christmas, is a celebration. It's a celebration of a gift given to us. To the non-believer, it's just gifts, tangible gifts. See, how you view a word, what you do with a word, determines how you act upon that word. We act differently with words like Christmas than the non-believer would. I have a fascination with words and phrases and cliches. I want to know where they come from. I want to know how they're used. I want to know how they're interpreted. I want to know how words apply to our lives. What do we do with them? What do we make of them? What do we understand of them? How do words bring about a change in our behavior? Christmas is one of those words. And one of those words that I have a pet peeve with is the word broken. I hear the word broken used an awful lot, but I hear it used as an excuse, or I hear it used by someone who has little hope. And see, we don't go to Webster's Dictionary to get our definition of the word broken. We don't go to Webster to understand words. We go to this to understand what to do, what to make of words. We go to this, his word, to understand how we should proceed with words. And when I think of broken, I want to go in here. What does this tell me about broken? It says the Lord is near the brokenhearted. That's what this says about broken. See, so when we have a word it's being used. We need to really understand it. Are we going to go to what the world says is the understanding of it? Or are we going to go to what God says is the understanding of it? So we need to rethink broken. We need to rethink how we use words. We need to rethink what we make of words. And broken is just one of my little pet peeves. But see, we all have a reaction to words. I have a very strong reaction to that word broken. I have a very strong reaction to it. I'm going to give you an example. I can say a couple of words that I know you're going to have a very strong reaction to. If I were to say the words, go blue. Instant reaction. Exactly. Exactly. If I were to say the words, Michigan football, those words have meaning to you. And because those words have a meaning to you, a meaning that you've decided upon, you have a reaction to that. That is the power of words. The same way if you were to say to me, <laughs> yeah, go Bucks. I said it. Because of how I feel about that, I, I have a reaction to that. It's what I do with those words. And what we do with words we have a reaction to it. Words are strong. Words are powerful. And we can look to the scripture 
And we can see how strong and powerful words can be. In Proverbs 18, verse 21, the tongue has the power of life and death. Words have absolute power. What do we do with those? We need to rethink sometimes what we say. We need to rethink what words mean in our life. But I want to mention another word that I know is going to have a reaction. Giving. I know that word giving brings about a reaction. Now we have to talk about that word because giving is a part of who we are as Christians. And giving is certainly a part of who we are at Xenia Nazarene. The word giving comes up a lot in our lives. I want you right now to think about what was your reaction when I said the word giving. And I want you to hold that thought. What was your reaction when I said the word giving? Now, what does this say about giving? It says, it is better to give than to receive. We go to Acts chapter 20. And everything I did... I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Webster's not defining giving for us. Jesus is defining giving for us. And he's saying, it is better to give than to receive. We go to this to define that word, giving. But we talk about giving because it comes up. We just left what is called the giving season. That's another one of those words I have an issue with. Another one of those phrases I have issue with. Maybe that's just me. The giving season. The season of joy. Tis the season to be merry. Well, if we're Christians, every season is a season of joy. Every season is a season to be merry. And every season is a season to be giving. That's who we are. We should be merry all year long. We should be joyful all year long. We should be giving people all year long. That is the Christian walk. And see, society has narrowed it down and let themselves off the hook with a giving season, with 12 days of Christmas, with 12 weeks of giving. And they've pushed it into this little condensed time frame. Well, guess what? The needs didn't just suddenly appear. The needs have been there all year long. The needs that we're made aware of in November and December were there the rest of the year. The poor didn't suddenly become poor. They were poor the rest of the year too. The season highlights the need. The season highlights, if you will, the poor. What did Jesus say about the poor? I don't want the world to define the poor. I want this to define the poor. What's he say about the poor in Matthew 26? The poor... You will always have with you, but you will not always have me. See, the poor were there all year long. That child that needed a winter jacket needs a spring jacket too. That child that needed winter boots needs spring shoes as well. The child that 
only received Christmas because of generosity of someone else, that same child didn't have school supplies. See how the season only highlights the need. It highlights the need that is there all year round. And we talk about giving because we as the church, as a whole, we as individuals are asked to do an awful lot in terms of giving. An awful lot is asked on us. And we respond pretty well. But as we go forward and you come out of this season of giving, I want us to rethink giving. What does that word mean? What does it mean in our lives? Not in our lives in, in November, not in our lives in December. What does it mean in our everyday lives? And furthermore, what does it mean in the lives of others? When they say it is better to give than to receive, guess what? That wasn't a Christmas message. That was an everyday message. That wasn't a one-time-of-the-year message, only give now. That is a message to do every single day of our lives. It is a message to do every month of the year, not just those two months. Giving. What are you thinking about giving? Because we know the needy are always there. The needy are there, the need is there. So let's rethink what it is to give. And let's look at what would it be to give 12 months a year. And let's say we assigned something to each month. And we said this month we'll give something, this month we'll give something, and this month and this month and so on and so forth. You have 12 months and you identify a need for each month. But before we go forward... I want you to think about what you're thinking about giving. And then I want to point out, I haven't talked about an offering. I haven't talked about a tithe. I haven't talked about your money. Because giving's more than that. Giving's more than the plate. It's more than what's in our wallet. It's more than what we are commanded to do in the giving of tithes. Giving's more than that. So I want you to hold those two thoughts. What are you thinking about giving? What have I asked for so far with giving? So I'm going to break that rule a little bit here, but let me move forward first. Let's identify these months, and what could we possibly do with 12 months of giving? And we're already doing some of this, so that's easy. So December, we'll keep December the Christmas boxes. That's easy. That's laid out for us. Boom. We'll pack the Christmas boxes. Okay? So let's say we're, we're here in January. What can we give in January? Here's a crazy idea. A lot of us received gift cards for the holiday. Give, give one away. Give one away to a random stranger. Carry it with you in your pocket. When you pay at Walmart, when you pay at Kroger, when you pay at a diner, just leave it behind. You didn't buy it. It was a gift to you. Regift it if that's what you want to call it. Let's get just a little bit crazy. And let's just take one of those gift cards and just leave it behind. Someone else will come along, and they'll be blessed by it. Rethink giving. February. I don't know. January is going to be kind of tough, because about the 15th, you guys are going to get a lot of mail. <laughs> Credit card bills are coming in. So January is going to be a little tough. So February, let's do something crazy as well. I want you, when you get your morning coffee, I want you to buy one coffee and just leave. 
I want you to tell the guy at the cash register, the lady at the cash register, you know what? We're going to buy a coffee for the next person that comes up. Pay for that coffee. $1.69. I know, I had one this morning. $1.69, that's all that's going to cost you. And then just, just leave it there. Next person up, they grab it. We rethinking giving yet? We're talking $1.69. We're two months into the year. We've spent $1.69 on giving. Hmm. It'll make somebody's day. I'd love to get a free coffee. If you're interested, I go to Circle K every morning. If you want to go ahead and leave one there for me, I'll grab it tomorrow on my way in. Now, March, we love packing the Easter eggs. We already do that. So we're not going to get crazy with March. We're going to do the Easter eggs. And then let's say in April, let's say in April, we make it a point, we're going to collect some hygiene supplies. And we're going to do toothbrushes. Okay? We're going to do toothbrushes in April. Now, here I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you for $5. Church of 500, I'm guessing. $5 each. If my math is correct, it's 2,500 toothbrushes. That's a lot of clean teeth around the world. 2,500 toothbrushes. So now I've, I've asked you for $5. I understand that. I understand not a lot of you, you don't know me, and I'm asking you for $5. But I'm going to tell you where you can get that $5, okay, if I may be so bold. We're going to give up one extra value meal a month, okay? We're going to give up one fast food meal a month. We're going to give up one trip to Burger King or one trip to McDonald's or one trip to Wendy's, whatever you love. We're going to give up that $5 extra value meal, okay? So now, guess what I just did? I just made giving healthy for you, <laughs> right? So, we're taking the $5, we're healthier now, and we're healthier, we'll be happier, and we're going to buy toothbrushes. And we're going to buy 2,500 toothbrushes. And we're going to keep doing that $5 thing a month, okay? Next month, we're going to buy socks. And guess what? You've already got an organization to give these socks to. It's called Shoes for the Shoeless, and they need socks. So we're going to buy socks for shoes for the shoeless. And then the next month, we're going to spend $5, and we're just going to buy school supplies. We're just going to go to the dollar store, and we'll buy school supplies. Are we rethinking giving yet? Are we out of our box of what giving is? We have to rethink it. Sometimes we have to rethink things. We have to rethink words. Make sure we're using them properly. Giving. Because, see, there's needs every month of the year. Five dollars. That's just a random example of what we could do. 2,500 pairs of socks. 2,500 toothbrushes. 2,500 school supplies. That's impactful. That is hugely impactful. I don't know how many students are in Xenia City schools total. I'm willing to bet 2,500 pieces of school supplies would go a long, long way. And then we'll just keep going into the winter months. Hats, mittens, still giving up that $5. Man, we're still really, really healthy. We're doing really good. So we're going to buy five hats. We're going to buy five mittens. What you're not going to do is we're not going to give the church $5 and one designated person from the church go and do it. We're going to do it ourselves. We're just going to take $5. And we're going to go and just buy $5 worth of things. Some of you probably have $5 in your cup holder, in your car. 
Some of you probably have pennies in the cup holder of your car. In one month, we're going to collect pennies. Now you say, hey, pennies, that doesn't add up. Pennies will add up like you cannot believe. At Riverside, I did it on five Sundays. I said, we're only going to collect pennies on Sundays. Okay? And we're only going to collect pennies. Five Sundays, we collected pennies. And that little church there in Riverside, they raised $100 worth of pennies. That is an awful lot of pennies. It also gets very heavy. <laughs> Imagine what we could do if we said just this month we're going to collect pennies or just this month we're going to collect change and we're going to dedicate the whole month of November. We're going to dedicate the whole month of November to collecting change. And we're just going to have boxes and jugs of pennies and change up here. Little old Riverside could do 100. We could do some real, real damage with all that change. And then we're just going to randomly send it out to somebody in the community. It's just going to be random about it. We're just going to be loving about it. People are going to open their mail, and they're just going to get a random gift card from where we've cashed in all of that. We're just going to bless somebody. We're just going to give, and we're going to rethink the giving because we're just going to give to people we don't know, just like the coffee, just like the gift card we're leaving behind. We've got to rethink it. Don't give to people you know. Give to someone you don't know. Because... Let's, let's look at what we do during the holidays. Let's look at our holiday giving and look at all of our holiday efforts. And we want to rethink them. The baking, oh, it's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. But if we look at all that baking and all those efforts that we, we, we go through, are we reaching unchurched, unbelieving people? Do those efforts lead us into homes? Do those efforts lead us into conversations with other people? Do those efforts put us face-to-face -face with opportunity to talk about Jesus? Do they put us face-to-face -face with someone where we don't know where they're at? Or all those efforts, all that baking, all that giving, are we in the same believing circles that we're always in? Because I know I look at my life and it's like I'm surrounded by believers. I come to work and I'm surrounded by believers. I hang out in my circle. I'm surrounded by believers. We have to get intentional about getting outside of that and meeting up with the unbelievers. We have to rethink a little bit about how we give. What are you thinking about giving now? That I've laid out some crazy, simple ideas. And I've only asked for about $5 and $1.69. That's all I've asked for. Haven't talked about any of the other stuff. Just talking about giving. Just talking about what the scripture says about giving. Better to give than to receive. I've seen some wonderful things happen in people's lives when they enter into a giving attitude, a giving spirit, a giving demeanor, if you will. And I've noticed that a lot of those folks, when they enter into that, they're, they're hurting people. They're the same people that use that word broken, that they don't know what they're doing with it. But when they take that first step and they enter into a giving role, and again, I'm not talking about their money because they don't have that much to give. But they're not giving till it hurts. There's another one of those phrases we just need to wipe out. They're not giving till it hurts. They're giving because it hurts. They're giving because they're in some form of pain. And that giving helps to alleviate that. And I see it all the time. At Riverside, we deal with a lot of people who have different pains. And they enter into that, that, that giving role, that giving attitude. And I see wonderful things happen because they're giving because it hurts. 
And I want to share a famous example of that with you. There's a gentleman, his name is Jim Kelly. You may have heard of Jim Kelly. Um, Jim Kelly was the quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. And Jim Kelly was a pretty good ball player. And for four years, Jim Kelly took his team to the Super Bowl. Kind of the pinnacle of achievements. And for four straight years, they lost. Lost, 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 lost. This was that gentleman's passion. It was his dream. It was what you could say he was built to do. He was gifted to do. And for four straight years, he's met with failure, 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 failure. What the world says is a failure. What we know is simply just a ball game. We need to think, rethink. There's another word to rethink. What is failure and what is success? But we're rethinking giving. So you look at this gentleman. You could say he's had it rough. Oh, he also lost a young child. The child was about nine years old or so. Had a rare disease. So now you've got this professional pain. He's in professional pain. And there'll be some other pains that go along with being beat up by grown men for half your life. You hear a lot about that now. So he's in professional pain. Got some physical pain. He's got an emotional pain now like few will know. Then he developed cancer. But it was a rare cancer. It was cancer in the mouth and nose area. And because of that, he had to endure several, several operations without anesthetic. Extreme pain. Extreme pain. And I read his story of giving, and I was moved to tears. Because what he didn't say was, why me? Why did this happen? Poor me. What he does is he goes out and he gives back. And he gives back in a way you wouldn't think a millionaire could. He doesn't give back by writing the check, which he can. He can certainly do that. And he probably does do that. He gives back of his time. He speaks for medical research that will save and impact the lives of children who are going through what his son went through. In his pain, he is giving. He is not giving till it hurts. He is giving because it hurts. And he's not necessarily giving with just his wallet. He is giving of that, which for some of us is much more valuable. He is giving his time. And we know that we, we guard our time. I've certainly been in a position where it's much easier to write the check and say, you guys go and do it and me stay home. But what if in that crazy idea of giving, in one of those months we said, we're each going to give three hours. Only three hours. Now, I can get crazy and tell you where that three hours is going to come from. It's going to come from your TV and Facebook time. Okay? I've got it to give. I've, I've got the three hours of TV, Facebook time to give. I'll admit it. I've got it to give. So we're going to take that three hours we would spend doing that, and we're just going to give it somewhere in the community. Whether we adopt a highway, whether we go into a school, every single one of us is going to do something for three hours. If it's going to the park and cleaning up trash, if it's finding a mentoring program, if it's finding a reading program, whatever that looks like. Church of 500, three hours, 1,500 hours of community service. That's impactful. That's impactful. 
And maybe we get creative about it. Maybe we just drive by the park one day, we see some kids shooting hoops. Maybe we've got a case of Gatorade and we just go have a conversation. We just give them our time. We just give them our attention. And it doesn't really cost us a thing other than those three hours. What are we thinking about giving? Are we rethinking giving? So now we've got, we've got these, these things we can do, and we can make little cards and say, this month is this, this month is this, this month is this, and we can do some things differently. We can give because it hurts. We've got one other thing we can give, and it's the greatest gift of all. We can give someone Jesus. We can give someone love. We can give them unconditional love. And I know... You can do this because I've seen it done. I've seen what unconditional, welcoming, supportive love can do in someone's life, particularly when they need it the most. And the first thought on this is you never know where anybody's at. You don't know what anybody's going through. You look at a gentleman like Jim Kelly, he presents pretty well. He doesn't present as someone whose life is full of pain. See, a lot of times people in pain, people that are hurting, people that are needy, people that are poor, they mask it. We can look at Jesus' words. The poor are always there. It's not always going to look the way we want it to look. We're not always going to get the obvious. We're not always going to get hit over the head with a two-by-four. It's not always going to be clear. It's going to take a little effort on our part. We've got to rethink who is needy, who is poor. We've got to rethink who we give to. Rethink giving. But you have the greatest gift to give. And someone needs it. I can tell you, eight years ago, I came in those doors an unbeliever. And I wanted nothing more than to be able to come in here and say I was right. They are who I thought they were. The church is what I thought it was. And I can go on about my business now. But that's not what I found. I found the love, the acceptance, the support that I needed. I came in here and I was met with Jesus. And you gave that love of Jesus to me and to my family. Probably saved my life, most likely saved my marriage, and puts me on the beginning of the path that leads me right here today. You have an amazing gift to offer somebody. But we have to even rethink that gift. Because see, we do a really good job. I say good. We do a really good job of doing it inside of those doors. We've got to do it outside of those doors too. So when I think about giving and giving love and giving Jesus, and I think about doing it outside of these doors, I have to ask, Do we know where our neighbor stands with Christ? Do we know where our neighbor is with the Lord? I don't. I don't. It's easy to make assumptions and say, hmm, they seem like nice people. I'm sure they're okay. I was nice people. I wasn't okay. I looked the part. It was a well-dressed mess. There's a lot of well-dressed messes out there, folks. There's a lot of well-dressed messes. 
We've got to rethink giving. And maybe that platter of cookies that we give to our sister or our brother, we give to our neighbor, and we begin a conversation right there. We give them the greatest gift of all, the gift of love, the gift of knowing that somebody cares, the gift of acceptance. Oh, and you just don't know. You don't know until you go and find out. You don't know until you ask. You don't know until you start a conversation. We have to do that. We have to be intentional. So what are we thinking about giving now? Are we rethinking giving? I'm not talking about money. Don't think I've said the word tithe. Don't think I've said the word offering. I haven't asked you to give the church anything. I'm just giving you some ideas, some things that you can take and you can go and do. And the best part about this is it's so simple. You can involve your kids too. And now we're giving, we're teaching, we're modeling, we're discipling. Kids got pennies. Kids got piggy banks. So now we can teach them about this. We can model for them what it is to give. I don't know what this looks like tomorrow. I can tell you it's not, it's not as, as hard as we'll make it out to be. I do the gas station thing. Me, I, I do it differently. I, I wait around, and I just have a fun. This is just me personally. I wait until I see someone in uniform. It's just something me, and I do it, and I do it intentionally so that my daughter sees what we're doing. I said, hey, we're going to buy that guy a coffee, but then we're going to scramble. And I've made it fun for her. I've made giving fun. I've made giving different for her. I've got her excited about that, and I've challenged her. And don't have to say much about it. She sees it. She goes, that's fun. That's neat. That's cool. Yeah, it is. And that's just my little thing that we identify a soldier, we identify an officer. That's just what we do. Make it yours, make it unique, make it personal, make it individual. Giving. And some of you give with your your talents, and I know the knitting and crocheting and the baking that goes on. We can do all of those things. Everybody has something to offer. But even if you're sitting there and you're saying, I don't have $5 to spare, I've got nothing to offer, you've got the love of Jesus to give. You have that. You have that. We all can have that to give to someone else. And they need it. They need it more than you know. Are we rethinking giving? As we rethink giving, that word, the action, the discipline of it as it will become, as we rethink giving, as we talk about giving, we have to look at the life of Jesus. He gave everything. He gave us everything. 